Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to Seriously, the New Statesman podcast that takes pop culture seriously. I'm Caroline Crampton. And I'm Anna Leskovich. This week, we're talking about the Netflix series Maniac and the Channel 4 reality show, The Circle. We've also been listening to the Dr. Death podcast, so we'll be talking about how that went later in the show. Hello. Hello. Welcome back to another episode of Seriously. I'm feeling well-rested and ready to devour some culture after a week of pretty much only reading books uh in italy and we actually did we did one group watch of call me by your name because you just you have (laughs) to wonder if you'd done that yeah we did i've seen that movie so many times now i went to bed just before things start to get sad i was like i've seen i've been through this too many times now i don't i just don't want to watch him cry in the car i actually can't bear to see him cry in the car I'm going to go to bed. (laughs) Uh, There are several films I feel like that where I watch about 60% of them because, I mean, I know how it ends. I just don't want to see it again, (laughs) you know? Thing is, I have seen, I have watched the end a lot. I just, yeah, I was tired and I couldn't face it. Um, But yeah, apart from that, just just reading, which is nice, but not something I do enough of outside of holiday relaxing. No, I'm currently halfway through Fingersmith, which is compelling enough to mean that I'm continuing to actually read properly since I've Mm. got back I'm very excited about there's a film adaptation of my favorite Sarah Waters novel coming out really soon The Little Stranger have you read that one I haven't read that one but I want to because am I right in thinking that it's being directed by Lenny Abrahamson yes it is I really liked Room and I spoke to him recently on the phone for an interview I was doing about Sally Rooney and he was really nice and um my boyfriend was in the room while I was doing it and he was like I can't believe you didn't ask him about the little stranger and I'm like well that's completely irrelevant to the the piece I'm writing (laughs) and not what I told him I would ask him about but he was just like you know that's it's so interesting that he's doing you know that'll be the third sort of contemporary ish novel adaptation he's done Mm. by women in the last like three years and um so yeah he's a he's an interesting director I think and I I'm really loving this Sarah Waters book which is the first Sarah Waters book I've ever read so definitely going to go for The Little Stranger next and then try and catch the movie also I love Ruth Wilson and she's in the movie yeah she's she's the main character in it yeah I'm so excited about it uh I remember when I first finished reading it it's the kind of book where I immediately went online was like what does ending mean give me definitive closure even <laughs> though that is not what the novel wants and I found loads of great theories and they but I also found a Q&A with Sarah Waters where she'd been asked this and she was like 
I don't mean it to have a definitive ending. That's the whole point. You know, think whatever you think. (laughs) So I'm fascinated to see how they do that in film version. Okay, exciting. Anyway, not what we're doing on Seriously This Week, just a tantalating taster perhaps for future episodes. In fact, this week uh, we're going to be talking about the Netflix series Maniac. Maniac is a 10-part Netflix drama based on a Norwegian TV series of the same name. Uh, This remake stars Emma Stone and Jonah Hill as Annie Landsberg and Owen Milgram, two people with mental health issues who end up in a clinical trial for a drug that purports to be able to solve all their problems instantly with no side effects. And it's set in kind of a strange dystopian... I've seen a lot of comparisons to Black Mirror, even though it's not immediately what it made me think of, but uh, a a kind of dystopian futuristic society, though it's also filled with all this like retro tech. So it's kind of like a weirdly timeless and creepy. And it's a world where it feels to me like this show is kind of laced with a critique of late capitalism, not to get too, uh, I don't know, woke socialist bro about things um <laughs> but it's 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 a world in which there's like job stability seems very poor and people are doing weird things like being a friend proxy which means you know that you go and pretend to be someone's friend for an hour in a sort of like app based service or mm. you can make extra money by having someone follow you around all day reading adverts out to you <laughs> and um there's like a temporary volunteer husband service you can do for people whose husbands have like left or died or died yeah yeah so it's kind of um yeah that's the kind of context that leads these two people who are financially very insecure taking this uh quite risky seeming drug trial um which is kind of like a combination of pills and computers working on your brain (laughs) yeah you get sort of strapped into a pod um, almost matrix style uh, and but then also there are pills that you take um, and yeah it's really weird and it unfolds quite slowly I think mm, yeah so I didn't really properly understand what was happening until maybe episode three yeah they're deliberately um, kind of withholding information from you and as you say there's no the plot is not doesn't feel very momentum filled it's just kind of stuff is unfolding it's not like super tense or um you're not propelled through it in that way it's just kind of happening at sometimes a slightly excruciating pace yeah and for that reason I during the first episode I was thinking like "Mm, is this bad do I like this but I got into it quite soon after that and actually I realized that it was just my brain like slowing down to its Mm. pace. I'm so used to now everything, whether it's got like, whether it's an actual whodunit or not, almost having the pacing of a whodunit Mm -hmm. where you get little plot crumbs all the way through and it sort of keeps you wanting to, what keeps you wanting to watch essentially. This is just, I don't know, its whole vibe was like, you know, watch if you want, watch if you don't, we'll still be here, Um, Mm -hmm. which I actually really like, but I just had to tune into yeah, totally. And I think the performances for me, I think after I finished watching the first episode, I said something like, well, that was quite depressing and I don't actually enjoy the feeling of feeling depressed. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, and the first episode is very much from the perspective of Owen, um, the Jonah Hill character. Yes. And Jonah Hill delivers this like 
like incredibly wounded passive performance it's like an extreme passivity which is often kind of like played for laughs so you know someone will try and have a joke with him and he'll respond in this really yeah. deadpan removed from the situation way that is funny but also like deep it's deeply depressing to see someone who's like that miserable and that unable to kind of like interact in a genuine way with the world around them um but it is a really fantastic performance I think I think he has a really good balance of like um showing you the kind of wounds that this character has in a way that you know sometimes can be funny but also just really does give you a sense of the the kind of pain in his life and how serious his mental health problems are and he's paranoid and potentially schizophrenic and just having a really really difficult time of it potentially suicidal um and yeah i think i do think the performance is brilliant and the the second episode focuses a bit more on emma stone's character annie and mm. you get more of her backstory and i think she's just incredible in this and she's like doing weird stuff with her jaw she's like jutting her jaw out in these yeah. like makes her seem really petulant and defensive but also again you can see that this is a person who is like wearing the fact that they are carrying trauma quite obviously on them um mm. and yeah, so they're two people. I think they both sort of describe themselves as kind of broken people. Um, yes. So aside from the financial motivation for doing this trial, there is a real sense that like actually these are people who really want to be, quote, fixed if they can be. And I think Emma Stone's character, Annie, sometimes says something like, well, I don't deserve to be at points. But behind all that, she does <laughs> really want to kind of have an easier time of it. Um, so I, I do think that although I immediately found kind of the bleakness of it a bit off-putting I'm suddenly quite invested in these characters actually finding some sort of relief and healing themselves in some way mm. it's also directed by Carrie Joji Fukunaga who's just been announced as the new James Bond director now that Danny Boyle has dropped out which I think I think has led to this series maybe getting a bit more attention than it would have done otherwise uh, just because you know people are interested to see what his latest work is and all that kind of thing um he also directed some of true detective i think which i've not seen i don't know if you know i haven't either but i did think that well my impression of what i've seen is that this is quite a directed show if that makes sense mm. the performances are great as you said and i do think emma stone did an amazing job of making herself completely other than she has been maybe mm. in some of her more recent um films which is possibly why she was interested in doing this I don't know uh and but I don't know just from the way the kind of quasi dystopian world is lighted to everything else about it it just felt very like it came from a single vision yeah and it's visually extremely compelling and very dense as well and there's lots of like things in shots that can catch your eye like mm. there's a lot of quite intrusive advertising yeah. Yeah, yeah which is obviously trying to help you understand the kind of economic and societal context that the the kind of alternate reality of the show is existing within but also it's just kind of it's just quite immersive because you're like oh what's that kind of book on the table or why is why is that pill in the shape of a letter and mm -hmm. there are like just lots of details that like even at one point like a, a group of tourists go past the statue of extra liberty and you're like th mm. those details do just make the show more like compelling and make you more fascinated about what 
is actually happening here and what time it is and <laughs> what why this society is functioning in this way and um yeah i think i think it's really cleverly done because it's not as some shows like black mirror and other shows can be it doesn't feel to me too whacking you over the head with a message no it doesn't feel that kind of super on the nose this is a comment about today no it's just like here's a weird world and here's a man sort of having sex with a kind of weird 80s looking octopus (laughs) you know computer game stuff like that it's just and it's you know some a lot of those details are just meant to be funny and just meant to give you a little bit of character insight and stuff like that so it's not all about saying to you like oh this is a terrible comment on society a lot of it is just about making it a more enjoyable and more compelling watch so I think it really succeeds in that area yeah for sure it actually uh, strongly reminded me of an episode of a podcast I really like that deals with imaginary near futures called flash forward in which they actually did an episode about a future in which you could sign up to have adverts be part of your daily life Mm. where um you would get paid to mention products IRL to your friends and family and a sort of Google Home-esque device would tell when you'd done it and uh, give you money accordingly. So like basically you could never be sure that anything anyone said to you wasn't SponCon. That's really funny. And so yeah as soon as I saw the advert thing I was like oh right yeah Rose from Flash Forward was completely on this. Um, But yeah that's exactly the feeling it has is like a kind of rather than the black mirror thing of what if phones but too much it's more like what if we just stepped sideways into a very similar but also profoundly different reality yeah and i think there's a core message in this show that is very you you could quite easily like black mirror or something else mock it because i have a feeling and i've only watched the first three or four episodes um and, and i have a feeling like the the kind of head of the clinical trial uh says you know i just want an elegant way to fix people um i've simply found an elegant way to fix people and you know very much it's already being flagged to me that this trial is not going to be the elegant way to fix people that it thinks it is but ultimately i think what is you know i haven't watched it so hopefully this isn't a spoiler but i think ultimately what the program is going to try and tell us is that you might not find the answers in a clinical trial, but you know, if you make a really genuine connection with somebody, uh, that's like the first step to combating loneliness and lots of other kind of like mm. difficult, uh, tra- you know, and acknowledging guilt and other traumas, finding other people who've also gone through similar things. And just the idea that like community can help people and bonds of friendship can help people and, you know, important relationships can help people. That's like obviously a very cheesy and and kind of like simple message that would be very easy to mock but for some reason I'm feeling already quite quite moved by what it's saying and feeling quite like yeah I really hope that these people find what they need um and I don't know what what stops something from being purely embarrassing and uh, when (laughs) when something becomes moving but for me this is kind of succeeding so far Mm. Yeah, I'm excited to keep watching it. I think it's really interesting. One of the most surprising things I've seen in a while, actually. Mm. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. 
In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Now we're going to talk about The Circle, which is a Channel 4 reality show focused on social media. The contestants live in adjacent flats, but never meet face to face, interacting instead through a fake app called The Circle. They are free to play as themselves or as a character they've invented, but their every move and the way others react to it determines whether they remain in the game or get blocked. There's a lot of language that we associate with social media otherwise in this show as well. You know, you can be deemed an influencer mm-hmm. or not an influencer. Mm-hmm. And the first episode focuses... I mean, it, when you, when I was watching, I was like, this is, why am I watching people like set up their Facebook accounts? This is bizarre. <laughs> you know, they had to choose a profile picture and then write a bio and all of this kind of thing. But it does move on from that into actual game playing and interaction. Mm-hmm. And the game playing is an interesting word because I feel like game playing is a term that became so loaded oh, God, in, yes. <laughs> in Big Brother you know, he's playing a game was like the ultimate insult that you could say to anyone in Big Brother. And this is a similar thing where you've kind of got authentic contestants versus game playing contestants, game playing Mm -hmm. contestants who are here to rig the the rules so that they win, not just, you know, be themselves. And which is, again, like a weird and loaded and simultaneously meaningless phrase to like just be yourself, but because we're all performing all the time. Um, But yeah, it's it's an interesting uh kind of dichotomy between the people who are like faking something in some way so whether that's like pretending to be a completely different person or like there's one guy who's gay who's pretending to be straight um there's someone else as well who's like themselves but saying that their job is being a doctor yes um yeah so, so some people like augment their existing personality and then some people do just create a whole different avatar yeah. essentially and then there are some people who are like oh no i'm just gonna quote be myself yeah. um so yeah right from the beginning it's kind of like the catfishers versus the genuine <laughs> authentic people which is quite an interesting premise and i suppose the premise is trying to sort of make points about wh- what you can or can't believe on social media um 
whether it does that successfully or not <laughs> is up to the viewers to decide. But it's it's a slightly strained version of social media just inherently because of the format. It's not it's not like you're seeing all your friends and family. You yeah, know, it's, it, it's, it is false. Yeah, it's kind of just by the rules of the games, it's inherently a little bit different to how we normally live our lives on social media. But it, as you say, is a game and it finished last night and someone did win. And I assume we're going to go spoilery on this because as it's a reality TV show, it's mostly covered in the press, <laughs> regardless of whether or not you're watching it live. Yeah, so I did watch the last episode um, and... It was a live finale, wasn't it, as well, which is Yeah, it was live, yeah. Interestingly, the person who won, and I am going to say who it is now, so spoiler if you're watching this, was one of the catfishers. It was Alex, who was pretending to be Kate. Mm -hmm. And yeah, he won. <laughs> it's quite interesting, though, because I think for a lot of people... It was kind of a an empty win, a win free of sort of genuine victory because um, the way that he managed to win was that one contestant, basically the, the voting system works. I think you could award uh, the other contestants stars based on how much you liked them how mm. and how much you wanted them to win. And most of the other contestants in that final rated him very low low scores because they knew something was up and that he was potentially playing a game um apart from one guy called dan who gave alex five stars or K who he thought was kate five stars because yeah. he was i think kind of falling for kate um he's the estate agent guy yeah, yeah. and he you know he's a he was a very kind of genuine character on the show and pe really really likable and people were really backing him he gave Kate slash Alex five stars. Kate slash Alex one off the back of that, basically. Uh, and I think I've seen a lot of calls for Alex to share some of his winning money with, with Dan, <laughs> who he done. kind of like heartlessly tricked throughout the show. Um, so I don't know. It's a funny one because I think whether or not that that seems like a realistic situation. I mean, we've all seen Catfish. We know that these things do happen but whether or not that that is the kind of commentary that you're we're really looking for on the current social media era or not is mm. i don't know for me for me i'm not sure that that's really as insightful as it perhaps thinks it is yeah no i i don't like the show at all as like a comment on how everyone's fake on social media or anything uh so I am kind of in two minds about actually the success of the show. I think what they should have focused completely on just making a good game show mm. um, and worried less about that. So, for instance, I thought it was a bit odd that they made them all move into adjacent flats, even though... I'm sure that was very expensive to do as well. Well, that's the thing. I mean, I was a bit surprised about it because otherwise this format is super cheap because you don't have to have you know sets or a presenter or anything it's all just people using computers and a voiceover mm -hmm. so I was a bit surprised that they chose to then spend money on everyone living in this flat but I suppose if they have uh, to if they're meant to be doing it from their own homes and they are catfishing it would be very hard to like you'd have to try and like invent a fake home and like imagine what that person's house would look like and yeah I suppose they were maybe doing it to sort of like clean the background completely mm. and therefore almost encourage people to 
present themselves differently mm -hmm. but just from a viewer point of view I think it would have been more fun if they'd had to do it as part of their own lives yeah um yeah no it's know, true like, and they have to if you're lying about what you look like you have to conceal it so it would just be an extension of that I guess um but yeah it's it, it's very it was that the finale is extremely watchable and that that moment where um Dan and Alex meet for the first time and Dan's expecting mm. to see this this Kate walk through the door and it's someone completely different and he's at first he's like wait are you Freddie <laughs> and then he's like no I'm Kate and he's like what and he refuses to shake his hand and he's clearly like genuinely really upset um and that's you know maybe ethically a little bit dubious but what reality show does not involve upsetting contestants in some form uh it, it is just quite an incredible moment of tv yes and i did find myself wondering to what extent the producers manipulated it in order i don't know how but in order to get that outcome yeah. because there weren't that many catfishers no in in the show there was only i think one other person who just played a full-on separate character Sinead played like 60 year old man mm. um but all the others mostly it was like themselves but a modified version um so you wouldn't have got that blinding moment of revelation it was like me but I don't have kids or me but I'm younger mm, or totally. as you say me but I'm straight or whatever yeah it really for the for the shock factor it really you really needed a win like that which is interesting um it also this this show's finale kind of comes in a week where i feel like reality tv is just in t turmoil mm. in strictly there's yeah. like a big controversy of i know we have some american listeners who probably won't have a clue what we're talking about but there's a big like dancing with the stars style tv show over here in which there's a very high profile affair that's been in the tabloids and presumably they'll have to leave the show i don't know and like big brothers essentially ended in the midst of like its mm. biggest controversy ever and it's like the show just can't continue because that controversy was so big uh, in which basically um, one, a male contestant jokily sort of punched the arm of a female contestant. She got really, she was sort of fine about it at first and then got really upset about it and had to be put in, she asked to be put in a different room for her safety. And then the public really, really hated her and vilified her and really, really came out in support of this guy who had seemingly not intentionally tried to upset her at all and you know I saw like people tweeting like who work on the show like wish I could say more about this but I can't and like people who used to work with the woman were like saying she's awful <laughs> and then he won <laughs> and the sh big brother's just never going to do another series <laughs> just yeah, collapsed find, under the weight of bizarre. it after all of the stuff that's happened on Big Brother, it is this yeah. that brings it down. But then I think I also saw people saying this as well, that like, you know, it's not had great ratings for a while. It moved from Channel 4 to Channel 5 because Channel 4 didn't want to make it anymore. Yeah. You know, it's, just it's more possible they were just worth. looking for a reason. It's just more trouble than it's worth, perhaps, at this point for Channel 5. I think perhaps it is, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know that the circle is going to be stepping in to become the new Big Brother. Although it did have some similarities to because I was really into Big Brother when it first was on mm. um, the first few series. Um, and obviously they made an homage to it in their choice of narrator, um, who was uh, Sarah, Sarah from Bolton. Was that yeah, also yeah. from Bolton? Um, 
you know, like strong sort of regional accent, uh, just like the original Big Brother voice and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and and also just the like the decor of the flats and stuff felt very Big Brothery in a way. Uh, but maybe it's just all reality TV is like Big Brother now. Yeah, but, and it's um, also part of like the goggle boxification, I think, of reality mm-hmm. TV in that it's like, as we said, it's not their own homes, but it's a it's very much a setup where it's like filming people doing everyday activities not not in the big brother sense of like we'll put loads of people in a in a mundane setting and see how they all respond to each mm. other but more in a like well we're we all watch tv let's see what it's like to watch other people do that one really boring thing yeah um and it it's slightly different because the great thing about Gogglebox and and being the is it's so accessible because it shows you the clips of TV, so you've got the same level of access yeah. as the people talking about it, and then they all discuss it. This is a slightly trickier format to do because you have to obviously you can't recreate what it's actually like to be on social media because, as we said, like that would involve you having to know the backstory of like every individual relationship that these people are talking with on WhatsApp and whatever, mm. and it's just way too complicated. So instead, you have to produce this very limited, okay, here are eight people who have the ability to talk to each other for, you know, this amount of time a day and we can like follow exactly what they're saying with each other and then cut to them behind the screen in one room and cut to them behind the screen in the other room. Yeah. So for me it feels related somehow to to gogglebox and that kind of like let's see how uh relatable and accessible we can make it yeah i think that's fair i think that is kind of a response i think it's also a response to um to youtube in a way uh in the sense that that is the place people go these days to watch the everyday lives of people they don't mm-hmm. know um and I've always been completely fascinated by these moments because YouTubers kind of exist in little colonies, I think, mm-hmm. you know, among their friends who are also YouTubers. Yeah, you totally. see them collabing and hanging out and often it's members of their extended family and friends of friends and stuff. And every so often you get a moment where like Zoe Sugg will walk down the stairs in her house filming with her vlog camera and her boyfriend who lives with her who is also a YouTuber will be filming something in the kitchen Mm. and like the two cameras will meet and if you watch both vlogs you'll like see each other from the other vlogs perspective and they try not to do that as much as possible because I think like they try not to show each other's cameras because I think it they know that it like breaks the fourth wall Mm. and sort of intrudes upon the you know it's just me and you and you're coming along on my day what I'm doing vibe of the whole thing but yeah I I am so fascinated by those moments and um the same thing happens uh on these people's Instagrams and stuff like you can't help seeing sometimes the like behind the scenes of how they come to be filming each other and themselves um which is kind of fascinating even if they don't actually mean to include that stuff Mm, um so yeah I do I do think the circle is slightly riffing off that feeling Mm. of like you think you're seeing one thing and then yeah it cuts to the person behind the screen essentially well it got really bad reviews the first episode and then did it I didn't even look and now I think the people who've stuck with it have been like actually this was really good so Mm. I haven't watched enough of it to to sort of say whether I think it was great or not as a sort of experience of reality tv you know like love island or something a few people i know have said that they felt like it was a mistake for the show to try and push it 
into a Love Islandy arena where there's lots of like fit people who kind of want to mm. get off with each other. Um, because actually the in- the more interesting thing is like getting people who have different ages and backgrounds and stuff into one space and seeing how they interact with each other on social media and whether there's like an element of ageism in interactions or you know whatever um yeah that is the far more interesting thing uh, the pre-interviews for this show must have been outrageous like how do you determine whether someone is likely to be a successful catfisher Mm. yeah I don't know it's true it's a very hard (laughs) casting process um but yeah so I want I'm sure they'll they'll do another series and yeah I'm interested to see what's going to fill some of the reality tv gaps that we've got at the moment So last week, uh, Caroline recommended a podcast to me, which was Dr. Death. Caroline, podcast expert, is the person who'll be able to tell you who it's made by. <laughs> it's made by Wondery, which is a big American podcast company and network. You might have heard of them if you've listened to a podcast called Dirty John that was super successful, which was kind of a true crimey podcast yeah in the same way that this is this is as well yeah but that one was sort of had like a sex focus whereas this one obviously is has a medical focus yeah and Um, the thing with dirty john uh was that it was about people that were had not really had any media attention prior to that particular story um and dr death is uh, a kind of true crime documentary about uh someone who did make headlines um so it's uh, it's an interesting one because there's a balance between you don't want to be given all the information too early on, but also the name Dr. Death <laughs> and any of the kind of like immediate blurbing materials is going to let you know that this was a, a serious, violent villain. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's an interesting uh, route in to the podcast because I think it does, what this, this podcast does a really good job is of ma- maintaining that element of suspense um whilst being fairly upfront about what's coming and it is pretty gruesome which we both said last week we were a little bit nervous about um but I didn't find it too bad and I'm really squeamish no I didn't either I was expecting to find it more difficult I think I think it's because they do they do structure it very much like serious documentary yeah that I felt like I could get over the you know descriptions of metal screws into people's spines and stuff like yeah. that i think the first episode actually so far i've listened to about four was the worst for me which it sort of begins describing three botched operations and there's like there's one bit where they're talking about just the sheer amount of blood in the operating theater that i was like i actually oh, this is gross don't like this um but apart from that there's a lot more um you know, less bloody discussions of how this man who to all to all his patients and to most people he worked with just seemed like, yeah, another doctor, um, mm. how he managed to just destroy the lives of so many people. And that involves, you know, talking to former colleagues, talking to former friends and people who knew people he was in relationships with and just getting a real picture of the person from lots of different sources 
Um, so for me, it manages to avoid just being a total salacious, uh, horrible, grim, bloody gore yeah. fest that's just trying to kind of like be as horrible as possible. It is. It's kind of putting itself in a weird position somewhere between like, you know, the great thing we I know that people talk about serial all the time and it's really boring for people who listen who listen to a lot of podcasts. But the thing about serial was that it was trying to be like both a personal story that is like scandalous and tabloidy and a comment on like the justice system. And this is a similar thing where it's like both the story of this incredible villain who did all these murders and was like awful and were have you ever seen heard anything like this since jack the ripper but also like wait how did the medical system allow this to happen yeah that's the part that i got almost more gripped by was when the host uh laura bile talks about actually there were several points when people kind of did know that this was going on or should or could have known that this was going on and they chose not to do anything and as a result you know lots of people are now paralyzed some people are dead etc etc so yeah the the like exposing of the injustice and the failures in the system becomes a plot in itself i've just come back from a really interesting conference in the u.s called third coast where i went to an amazing session about true crime podcasts in which uh, it was two canadian journalists who made a podcast called finding cleo um, which was about the disappearance and death of uh, an indigenous girl from uh, the saskatchewan province province of canada Um, and they were saying actually we wanted to make a social justice podcast and we put the mystery element in so that people would listen to it yeah totally but and we, it, we but sorry. we wanted we wanted to make a show about the like structural oppressions that lead to far more indigenous women and girls being kidnapped and murdered and suffering violence and stuff but we knew that people wouldn't listen to it if we packaged it like that so we put in a whodunit totally and i wouldn't i wouldn't buy that same rhetoric from the people who made dr death because like it's called Dr. Death and (laughs) it's about like quite a famous sort of uh, the kind of, you know, serial killer that we all want to hear about. He's like, oh, he's a sociopath. And how did he manage to hide his crimes for so long? Like it's definitely your typical headline true crime story. It's just also done with the proper amount of sensitivity and kind of journalistic curiosity about that system that it, becomes satisfying like there are some bits that i find so kind of over the top like at the end of i think the third episode or something they read out a letter that he wrote where he's kind of being that serial killer character Mm. and they they put like all this echo on her voice and then it's like the end of the episode it's like the cliffhanger ending and it's like (laughs) so it's like it is really over the top but like also it's a crazy story so they can obviously get away with it because they're not over egging the pudding it's just like a really horrific grim crazy story it's been listened to millions of times as well. I think I saw something you say it's a, it's only been out for like a month and it's been listened to 8 million times or something. Yeah, and so, it's really addictive. I am definitely, that mm. I, you know, we always say, oh, maybe I'll keep listening on Seriously, but like I already know that I'm going to listen to this like mm. in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> in the bath? Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Somehow that seems wrong, I don't know. <laughs> Better than uh, like while eating sushi, which was oh, well, God, how yeah. I was listening to it earlier and I was like, what? <laughs> no, you can't you can't eat while you listen to this i don't think um 
So, right, yeah, what are we going to do for next time? So for next time, I don't know why I'm saying this because this was 100% your idea and I'm going to blame you for it. <laughs> Caroline wants to watch the first episode of Doctor Who to feature a female doctor. Jodie Whittaker now plays the doctor and it's been huge in the UK. People have been talking about it loads. Um, I don't want to do this because my boyfriend has a running joke that I'm a massive Doctor Who fan, even though I haven't watched Doctor Who in like eight years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm really fueling the flames here of, uh, yeah, Nick just absolutely every time, like even last week or whenever it was on, on Saturday or whatever, Nick was like, so I uh, assume that you want to watch Doctor Who uh, pretty, pretty much at 6.45 PM sharp today. And I was like, no. I haven't watched Doctor Who for a decade. Please leave me alone. I hate this joke. But when I was at school, I did watch, I was really into the Christopher Eccleston series of Doctor Who. When I was a child, which is the appropriate time to be interested in watching mm. Doctor Who. Sorry, not to shame Doctor <laughs> Who fans. Controversial. I know. Not to shame Doctor <laughs> Who fans because, you know, it's seriously, we don't do that here. I just personally am no longer interested in watching Doctor Who. <laughs> but I am interested in... Uh, a female doctor and we've had um some crazy stats coming out about the viewing figures and stuff over the last mm. few days which i saw some stats that was like the last series of doctor who was watched by 379,000 young boys and like 112,000 young girls or something those those figures are not completely accurate i'm just like trying to remember roughly uh and then the new doctor episode that aired on saturday night was watched by something like slightly less boys like three hundred twenty thousand boys or something and like three hundred and thirty five thousand mm. girls and like so it's had loads of new viewers and uh and a kind of uh more of a gender equilibrium in terms of how many girls are watching so uh, it's really exciting yeah i'm similarly interested in it for those reasons i loved the christopher eccleston reboot I enjoyed a lot of the David Tennant Doctor Who and then I just fell off during the Matt Smith era when it all got a bit silly in my opinion or sillier it's always been silly and yeah I, I tried watching one episode of Peter Capaldi and just couldn't I just couldn't handle it and so I haven't watched Doctor Who for what two three series now so I have no idea what's going on in the more general arc not mm. that I ever really did mm -hmm. um, but yeah I am interested in I'm interested in Jodie Whittaker as an actor and I'm also yeah interested in the context that has led to this what has been for some people a very controversial casting even though it probably shouldn't be um yeah so for that reason I want to give it a go okay well we'll get back to you next week Thanks for listening to this episode of Seriously, the pop culture podcast from The New Statesman. If you enjoyed the show, why not subscribe to make sure you never miss another episode? We're available in all the usual places you get podcasts, including on Apple Podcasts, where you could leave us a rating and a review if you fancy. It makes us happy and it also helps other people find the show. If you'd like to come and see us in person, check out the events page of our website, seriouslypod.com slash events. Details of our next pop culture quiz and anything else we're doing will appear there. We're available many other places on the internet, including on Twitter, Facebook and Tumblr. We're Seriously Pod on all of them. Follow us to keep up with what we're up to or to chat to other listeners about things you've enjoyed on the show. We love getting your recommendations for things we should feature on the show or hearing your thoughts on what we've already discussed. Get in touch on social media or email us on seriouslypod at gmail.com. And if you feel strongly that more pop culture needs to be taken seriously, spread the word and tell your friends and family about the podcast. 
when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.